welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about unfixing fixes and lizard-stopping wishes. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Saying this for the second time because <laughs> forgot to plug the microphones in the first time. Episode 116. Yeah, only 120. Forgot to plug the mics in. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome behind the curtain. And, oh, this week, we've got chapters 21 through 24 of Fate of the Jedi, book six, Vortex, by Troy Denning. And I said all of that correct, Mm -hmm. and here we go. I said no (laughs) markers, and I mean it. These chapters, in which several characters tell several other characters, it's time to go. And you know what that means? That means they're telling us it's time to buckle up. Yeah, because these chapters click, 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 ratchet the tension up again, just like the last four chapters last week. Yeah, it's been a buildup. Speaking of which, but first, (laughs) previously on Forever Canon, Hamner's secret deal is revealed. Dalla's conspiracy theory is off target. Luke, Ben, and Vistara track Abeloth to a sick moon. Luke's white current puts him on the trail. Currently. <laughs> that was last week. I like the sick moon, though. I know, right? <laughs> all right. I'm like, I'll always have one in there for you. Yeah. That was last week, man. And last week was good. And this week is good. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> and we start with a short, 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 short chapter. Chapter 21, where in a strange scene break, Vistara has snuck off of the Emiax to follow Luke Skywalker and his bird pox guide across the beplagued moon of Pyrdor. (laughs) (laughs) Did you forget about that? I did. Ah, you fool. You don't read it like that every time you read it? Well, you might now after a second second week of hearing me say it. Last time we heard the kids were supposed to stay in the ship. Wouldn't you know, these teenagers don't listen to the grown-ups. So... Vistara snuck off the ship. She went and sent a message off to the Lost Tribe of the Sith, reporting her and Avaloth's location here on the moon of Pander. And she also tells them that Luke probably called for backup. Ben finds Vistara trying to steal a speeder, and she talks him into this escapade because, quote, your dad might need help. Yeah, it's about all she says. <laughs> She's like, uh, Sith would never let her master go off to such dangerous foe by themselves. Like you can't go let your dad hunt down Abeloth. You know, that's what he's going to do, right? Yeah. You could try and stop me, but you don't know how high, how far I'll escalate it to. I could try and kill you. She says to him while he's pointing a blaster at her, telling Mm -hmm. her to get out of the car. You can't run away. And they're both wearing hazmat suits (laughs) Yeah, because they both aren't quite convinced as Luke is that this bird pox thing, that the weeping blue sores all over these people are, uh, they're not convinced it's the illusion that Luke Skywalker's telling them that it is. But nonetheless, she's got to go follow him because she was ordered to. Mm-hmm. Right? She's got to keep an eye on all this shit and she's got to report back about it. She tells Ben, your dad's going to need our help. And he, for some reason, doesn't A, shoot her. B, seriously, just kick her ass right out of the thing. Yeah. Like, force fighter, go ahead. Come on. Yeah. It, he does have a stun setting on that. He could just... Bzz- Maybe he doesn't. Which was, I was going to make the same argument. Not all have stun settings. But according to the RPGs, right? Yeah. 
Not everything has a stun setting, so maybe that one didn't. But, like, shoot the speeder. Yeah. Controls. Okay. And now what are you going to do? I mean, we can just follow each other all around this parking lot, and I can keep doing this, or you can get back in the Emmy axe, right? But, you know, he doesn't want to confront her. He doesn't want to be away from her side. Nope. And really, this is just a confrontation about their complicated feelings, right? Ben doesn't stop her. He doesn't shoot her. He doesn't follow his orders. And he joins her in disregarding what his dad told him to do. How many times has he done that so far for her? Like several. Yeah, several times. And that is here on Abelot's planet. It happened on Dathomir. It's like Dantooine. Not Dantooine. Clatooine. Clatooine. Sorry, wrong Tooine. Yeah. But, you know. It's happened repeatedly. It's happened repeatedly. And he keeps making the same mistake. Or is it a mistake? Is it going to lead him, you know, to this closer relationship with Vistara, where he eventually gets to accomplish his goal of bringing her into the light? Or he's following her. Is it going to go the other way? Exactly. He doesn't stop her. He gets in the car. Complicated feelings. Vistara, thinking back to contacting the tribe and telling them what was happening here, she feels like, she was betraying Ben when she did that. And she feels bad about it. Here's the weird thing. She's a Sith. Mm-hmm. So that's weird, right? She shouldn't be feeling bad. About betraying anybody. That's right. <laughs> but nonetheless, these two teenagers are off to trouble make by themselves. Once again. For like the 15th time. Yeah. They get left together and they go break all the rules together. Because they're rebellious teens in love. Mm. And apparently Luke doesn't learn because this has happened a million times. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I think at this point he's pretty much like the kid's going to have to figure it out on his own, right? Yeah. Chapter 22. The illusory ill bird man. Not cash money millionaires, just to be clear. Tim, I know you don't know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Twice now. But this bird man. (laughs) I can't say it without thinking of the rapper. Anyways. Leads Luke to a cave with the Jade Shadow inside, and Luke uses cool sci-fi technology to climb down this gigantic cliff. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, he like shoots a liquid rope yeah. out of a thing, and then he sends an electrical charge down it, which causes it to solidify, and it can carry thousands of pounds. And... It's like um, in the in the Dark Knight movies, the, his, his cape. He his puts cape? A, yeah, his cape, he puts an electrical charge through it, and it solidifies and so he can like glide oh that's how he does that i never paid that much attention like i didn't pay close attention to those movies but that's really cool yeah here we go see same thing cool what did i tell you cool sci-fi technology the liquid rope electrification thing uh he tells the bird i can't fly so this is what i have to do (laughs) yeah right and the bird is like sort of genuinely surprised but back to the main question here at pay under what is abeloth doing here and luke thinks she might have come intending to recruit an army of protectors or she might have known of luke's old romance with the fallen assy leader akana and come hoping to exploit the relationship uh come on another girlfriend another (laughs) another just scattered scorned ex-lover across another corner of the galaxy like what are we doing here why why everywhere we go why 
They don't specify that she's angry at him, just that they had well, a thing. Well, he's, he, he's worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of the things he thinks that could be used against him, I guess. But why? Why is it always got to be Luke Skywalker's ex-girlfriends threatening? He's got a lot of them that's spread the, throughout the galaxy, That's the only man. thing that can apparently take him down. And I mean, like, oh my God, man, how many times have we done this? We did it with Callista the ghost ship, Lamaya the whip Sith. Even his wife was once his nemesis. Guy, yeah. what, how, how many? How many girlfriends do you have scattered across the galaxy that just don't like you? And why are they all evil? And what did you do to them? <laughs> <laughs> and more broadly, why is this such a trope of writing? The scorned woman is, is the greatest threat you could ever, you know, whatever. What's that? Hell hath no fury. Yes. <laughs> why, did I, why, no fury. why did I pronounce it like Guy Fieri? I don't know. But hell hath no fury. <laughs> 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 like a woman scorched, you know, so. <laughs> you sound like the Italian car of the movie of the cars. <laughs> the, the Luigi, the Italian uh, car. Well, all right. Well, yeah, because it's a really broad racist impression that I'm doing. <laughs> yes, it Maybe it's not racist. I don't know. Is that racist? Italians, let me know. Cool. Forever came podcast. No, when you can't do an impression, you choose the broadest one you can do. Well, I'm going to call it a caricature. Is that... <laughs> Is that is that scooch me out of responsibility zone? Sure. All right. Anyways, why is this such a trope? Why is the trope that <laughs> there's always some woman that you've treated so badly <laughs> that she's going to come back from the past and ruin your fucking life and or kill you or whatever? Why is that such a trope? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Could it just be men have treated their women so terribly, their lovers so terribly for centuries that it has become, I don't know, the greatest fear to a man. <laughs> it must be, it must be the most relatable thing. So we have to write about it constantly. Like why does, why, you know, why does it exist? Well, uh-huh. history. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Not uh, my history. Not me either. I don't know, you know, but men, being afraid of the cosmic repercussions of the way that they treat their loved ones. Sad trope. <laughs> it's got, you know, that's got sad connotations to it. Yeah. Why would you be so worried about this ex-girlfriend? Well, <laughs> things didn't end well between us. And in these stories, there's often some sort of supernatural explanation mm. for that. Right. But it's like, man, it's an expression of the, of the realism. Yeah. And it's gross. Yeah, it's why adding window dressing to a to a story. Right. It's not so much the problem that Luke Skywalker has seventeen different girlfriends across the galaxy, ex girlfriends across his seventy years of being alive, mm-hmm. sixty five, whatever. It's that they've all ended so poorly that they're a threat to your future. <laughs> wow. How? Yeah. How do you how do that? You, how have you, Luke Skywalker? The, the the grandmaster of the Jedi, the founder, refounder of reforger of the Jedi Order, the light of in the galaxy, savior of all of the trillions of people multiple times over. How have you treated so many lovers so poorly that you've got ghost ship lady coming back? You've got Sith Lumaya and her whip taking over your nephew and what have you. I thought this was guy was supposed to be a good guy. I thought so too. But it's like, you know. Old school 
films where all of a sudden Sean Connery just slaps a woman. You're like, I thought James Bond was a good guy. I don't want to watch these movies. I don't know. Anyways, enough of that. You get the point. Yeah. Why is it such a trope? Because it's a history of uh, really good men, right? Okay. (laughs) Anyways, back to the cave. Sure enough, Luke's ex-lover, the fallen assy leader, Akana. Of course she's the leader. Yes. Because he wouldn't settle for some simple peasant. (laughs) You have to be the leader of some magical witch tribe hidden in the deepest, darkest parts of the galaxy. Just saying. Game recognized game. (laughs) Akana is standing in the cave with the Jade Shadow. And it's truly her because she passes the Scanlan short halt test. When Luke says, tell me my mother's name. (laughs) That's for Critical Role fans out there. Let us know. Tell me my mother's name. And this convinces Luke that this is really Akana. Because... She says something. She says some offhand joke. Yeah, but that her feelings understanding or something. about the resolution of the thing, mm-hmm. and it proves convinces Luke that she was there in 1996 during the Black Fleet Crisis trilogy. I'm looking things up. Now, yes, Tim. you are. How do you like that? Yes, you are. You know what though? I almost spoiled things for myself. <laughs> so be careful. All right. <laughs> be careful out there when you're looking up things for Star Wars research. Anyways. Akana's there, and it's really her. But wouldn't you know it, something's off, right? She's hiding something. Mm -hmm. Though it's definitely not her biting remarks about what she thinks of Luke Skywalker's actions across the galaxy in the last 40 years since they've seen each other, 30 years. Uh, Here's a quote, uh, paraphrasing, quote, Your wife and two nephews died. Because of your Jedi arrogance. Ow. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, you let the Jedi lose their way. Ow. She's relentless. Yeah, it, it, the truth kind of hurts. And then this. Telling him how corrupt the Jedi Order has become. Consider the evidence. A Jedi Knight has assumed the throne of the Hapes Consortium. Jason Solo took it upon himself to change the flow of the current. And now a Jedi Grandmaster has joined forces with the Sith. If that is not corruption, I have no understanding of the term. Ow! (laughs) Right? I mean, she's not wrong. No. And Luke's argument is, what do you want me to do? Nothing? What do you want us to do? Let slavery exist in the galaxy? Huh? Huh? Like we have yeah, like for all this time. All this fucking time. Yeah. That bothered me that that was one of his arguments. Okay. Just to point that out. But you know, his broader point being, what, what do you want us to do about all the bad things that happened? Nothing. Jason Solo had a terrible vision of the future and he tried to make it not happen. Yeah. And now the current or the pool of knowledge or whatever all these intertwined things are. Yeah. All these different liquids. Everything says he changed it. He did it. It's now Alana on the white throne, right? Surrounded by all her friends and all that jazz of different species and whatever, whatever. She tells us more about Jason too, because he came here to study. Mm -hmm. This is where he learned to hide his force presence, which played a major factor in the last series. 
Yes, it did. He was the only one who knew how to do that for a long time. For a long time, yeah. And then he taught, who, God, everyone? He taught Ben and then Ben Ben, spread it around. He taught Tahiri. He taught, did he teach, oh no, what's her name? (laughs) Alemarar. Oh God, I thought she was going to be lost again. That poor character, I liked her so much. And we can never remember her. God damn it. I just did it though. Okay. Just did it. Told you, no markers. And no, he didn't. I don't think he taught uh, Lumaya might have. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, that information ended up getting spreading all over the Jedi Order, right? It seems like just about everybody knows how to do that now. But we'll talk about that actually in the last chapter. Not everybody knows how to do it still. But anyways, this is where Jason came to learn from, uh, you know, the scattered mystics across the galaxy, the untapped sources of force knowledge Mm -hmm. that the Jedi, you know, kind of don't ever explore and look into until now. Yeah. Nor do they try to stop slavery. So, I mean, they've had things to do. (laughs) (laughs) She tells us about Jason when he came here. There was shadow inside him. He was trying to change the current, but he left before he could learn to accept the future instead of save the galaxy. Yeah. Now, this feels like another point for Luke. What do you mean? He changed the future for the better, according to the Force. Yeah. So why are we why are we hating on that? It, it, they got it, to me. It sounds like they got a weird idea of it where it's it it has to change on its own naturally. It yeah. can't change. They have this weird abstinence thing about yeah touching you, it, you changing can, it. You can stop. It's like you can stop the minor things from happening, and if that changes the future, great. But not with foreknowledge of the future. I don't know. They have some weird rules that don't seem to make sense. Although this Akana does have uh, uh, one more truth serum for Luke Skywalker to suck on. She says the Jedi vow to protect, which becomes control, and then the Jedi protector becomes a ruler. And she cites several examples. Jason, um, a Jedi named Queller from this system, from that other series I looked up last time, mm-hmm. <laughs> where a dark Jedi takes over this place and, I don't know, things happen, right? I think that's probably where he meets Akana. And they, probably. They fall in love, hate, or whatever you might want to call it. They uh, fall she in c- something. She cites Raynar Thole in the Killix, and even Tunnel Ka in the Consortium, right? Like we said here. But she gets to the point of the Jedi try so hard to be protectors, which is too broad of a responsibility to shoulder. Yeah. How can you protect the galaxy? Yeah. It's an impossible job. Now, are we talking protectors with a capital P? (laughs) As we have that prophecy from the Kashiri. That has come up a couple of times. The destructors and the protectors and the, I don't know. I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, those are the only two big ones. <laughs> it's like they're coming to kill the Kesh Eerie people, so they're also in the story. But the Jedi want to protect so bad that some of them go too far and try to take too much control to, you know, preventatively enact that protection. Yeah. A case in point. 90, 80, 60, 70 episodes, however many it was, about the last book series, 
Legacy of the Force, a.k.a. the fall of Jason Solo. Yep. Right? Where he saw a bad thing in the future, and he needed to protect the future so badly from that, specifically his daughter he narrowed in on. Right? Mm-hmm. Protect his daughter from that bad future so badly that he took over the government, became a psycho, <laughs> yeah. turned to the Sith, all kinds of stuff, tortured his nephew, murdered his aunt. Tried to kill his parents. Protecting people by controlling their actions <laughs> and murdering things, everything. That... That's set of things I just said. Yes. Yeah, there's that, uh, definitely a list. You know, so sometimes that happens because mm-hmm. <laughs> they want to protect so badly. And it's like, I don't know, when I was reading it at the time, this felt like a real kick in the nuts for Luke Skywalker. But now I'm like, what do you want us to do? Nothing? Mm-hmm. Like he said, what? What are we supposed to do? Anyways, all of these reveals about Raynar Thal and Ten Ka and Jason Solo and Dark Jedi Queller. Very exciting for the two teenagers. Hi- oh, sorry. One of the two teenagers hiding back at the mouth of the cave. Ben and Vassar are hanging there on cords, waiting for like a good time to make their entrance, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> See if Luke needs help or not. <laughs> The double door push. That's what they're waiting for. <laughs> and uh, the reveal of all this information sends a, a stir of excitement through the force from Vistara, who is hiding her force presence outside the cave, because everybody knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. Just about. Very exciting, because these Sith don't have any information. Let's not forget, they've been marooned on this purple sanded planet for a thousand years. 2,000 years? 1,000 years. And nothing. No outside information coming in. No inside information going out. 1,000 years of a closed society. They don't know anything about the galaxy around them that they believe is their rightful ownership to take over, right? Yeah. And so this information coming into Vistara is like, oh, 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 oh. You know, sets a little light bulb off on her and she gets all sparky. And so Luke picks up on the kids out there because he doesn't miss anything. Luke and Akana continue to their battle of philosophies about the current and the future and changing it and unchanging it, which is what Abeloth wants to do. Yes. And she has apparently convinced Akana, this leader of the Falanasi, that this is a good idea. Yeah. Changing it's bad, so let's change it. Right. And the hypocrisy of that is Luke Skywalker's argument. Yeah. To try and, you know, bring her through Abeloth's lies. And it seems like it has an effect on her, right? Mm-hmm. She ends up like shaking her head and then getting grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, truth? No. Die or something. But the hypocrisy of that argument that Abeloth has fed to them, the lie, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, we need to unchange the change that has been made. That's Luke's got freaking, what the hell? Power buys after the, the whole microphone. I don't know if anybody heard that, but you're gonna. Luke... Tells her why? How does it? How does that make sense? You're, you're saying it's bad that somebody changed the current once. Why is it okay to change it back? How do you know you're changing it back to the right thing? How do you know it wasn't changed to the right thing just now? You know. Yeah. This argument of how do you know? Well, and the answer is because you don't question Abeloth, and then Akana starts getting grumpy. Yep. But you know, it seems bad. That Abeloth wants to do this, right? Yeah, she hasn't done anything 
um, good. Or at least we haven't known what her goal is. And now if this is her goal, why? Mm -hmm. Because that sounds bad. Because it looks good (laughs) with Alana on the white throne surrounded by happy aliens. Jason's vision of the dark armor on the gold throne. Yeah. Shadowy, ominous, scary. This one seems better. So, why does she want this to change? I don't know. Yikes. But I hope the answer is something bigger than because evil. <laughs> or like, yeah. You know what I mean? I hope that this is part of some grand scheme that she's been plotting in the Maw for billions of thousands of days of centuries of millennia. Yeah, and at right. least a couple of those. But like, And then Jason Solo wrecked her long plan and made it back to good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Why does she want to undo this? Has uh, has Abeloth actually done anything outwardly evil? She's she's I mean, yeah. she's killed some Sith. Well, she escaped her she was trying to escape her prison and she killed a guy to escape. Yeah, she also like feeds off of people's life energy. And, like, manipulates people into killing each other and themselves and being fed to the plants. Because she controlled all the plants. She did control all the plants. She's a bad guy. <laughs> Let me stop you right there. <laughs> she did control I think, all the plants. I think she's a bad guy. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> and so I think her wanting to undo the White Throne is bad. But why? I assume like, she's why, bad, he, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, just, I'm being fucking stupid. But why does she want that? And I don't know. Abeloth is a woman, and to quote Michael Scott, women are ununderstandable. Chapter 23. Okay. Chapter 23, where we get... I don't know. I I, I started reading the chapter, and I was like, you know what? I, I could write this down, or I could just put a tag here and read it. Because I don't think I could summarize the events, recent events on Coruscant any better than this. With Kent Hamner shoved to the sidelines, the Jedi Council had assigned the Solos to rescue Valen and Gisela Horn. Simple. Concise. Hamner, out of the picture. Jedi, getting shit done. Mm-hmm. And Han and Leia are the right people for the job, I guess. But not the only people for the job. Because we got a big old Jedi you got a list on the case. Turns out having these two kids encased in carbonite for, I don't know, weeks, months, days. For a while. Couldn't tell you, man. Weeks. They're gonna be, they're gonna be blind when they come out of there. <laughs> Probably. But apparently, having them hung up in carbonite as decorations for all this time has now spurred a lot of people to action. Han and Leia are on the case, and the big old team also includes Corin and Mirax and Silgal, who are leaving the facility where the two young Jedi are frozen. Planted trackers on them, right? Mm-hmm. Han and Leia are monitoring the trackers through the building with Natua Wan. In case you don't remember her from the last series, she was there. Mm-hmm. And Zach, <laughs> Tim, found him. Black hair and all. <laughs> Zach and his fiance. Yes. Taryn Zell. And that's the T name we were looking for last week. I know. <laughs> Zach and Zell are engaged. How about that? How about that? Take that, Jaina. Pow! 
Because guess what? Jane is on the team, too. Jane is also there. Because, <laughs> uh, like, everyone's on the team. Big team, man. You know what? You know who else is on the team? Seth Helen. Anyways. Han Solo. Watching the trackers zip zoom across his dad pad. He thinks about love. Mm-hmm. You got to push all in together. You can't put duty in front of each other. No halfsies. You know, but he thinks it in gambling terms. Yeah. You have to go all in go together. All in. Yeah. All right. Kind of cute. Uh, we chit chat about how hard this rescue mission is going to be. Until Jagged Fell shows up. Dun, dun, dun. Big team. <laughs> what the hell is Jagged Fell doing here? And how did he find them? Well, this is the conversation that we have. They explain Abeloth and the Sith to Jag. Jag explains Dala's video of Jaina and Lando at Klatooine and how he's tricking her into thinking he's going to help her squash the rebellions over slavery. But really... The Empire is pulling out of this potential treaty with the Galactic Alliance. Yep. The uh, the Pelion is leaving Coruscant. Like, check your chrono, tick-tock, ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's leaving. And pretty soon, Dahl is going to know I was tricking her for Jaina and the Jedi. Oh, big old hard eyes, huh? Yeah, and... Jag calls Jaina out in this scene about yeah. how she responded to him not abandoning his duties. Yeah. And not only does that happen, but are you ready for this? Jaina Solo apologizes to Jag. Mm-hmm. And Jag accepts her apology. Hell to the yes, man. Because <laughs> that was dumb. Yep. And nice to say that she knows it. But it would have been cool to, like, be inside her head while she processed any bit of that regret. But no. No. Because <laughs> women are ununderstandable, my friend. <laughs> I, like, why? I don't know. Why didn't we get any scenes of her being, like, big mistake? I don't know. The book was too big. We had to edit out that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know? But why not? Why, why haven't we been in Jaina's head about this major decision that she made? The only bit that we got was her like getting ready to go to Klatooine or leave Klatooine. One one of those two times when she was maybe fighting ship or whatever, but she was like something about like, oh, I miss Jag. I can't focus on that. I have to yeah. <laughs> focus on the mi- That was yeah, it, man. Tiny little snippet of. And then she comes around to this f- formal apology, heart, uh, not formal, but like direct heartfelt apology in front of her parents. Yeah. In front of, a, a which bunch is of people. huge yeah. leaps for her emotionally that we'd get none, no steps <laughs> of in, you know, in her head. We're just, that's out. It's not in the pages, but I'll take it off screen growth. Now, less importantly, like I said, Jag reiterates here, uh, the empire will not be joining the GA. Now, back to more importantly, Han calls Jag son. Yes. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Quote, we owe you one, son. And he's not saying it in an old man way. He is goddamn acknowledging the relationship between Jane and Jag in not a sarcastic dad way. 
Yeah. And he's not thinking that way at all in this scene for like the first time ever. Yep. Because of, I don't know, this clarity is brought to him by Jane's suffering or something. Because it's obvious that she did the wrong thing. It's obvious to everyone. Right? To everybody. We've been yeah. screaming about it for fucking two months. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, in this scene, he's very introspective about her hurt feelings over the bad decision that she made to end the relationship and, and the Jag's presence and how that, and Zach's presence and how that affects her and Taryn Zell being there and how, all how he is giving us the lens into Jaina's psyche, you yes. know, but that's not doing it right now, right before the apology through her dad's eyes is, is one way to do it. Mm-hmm. But give me more baby steps from her, man. Yeah. She's the mainest character. She's our main. She's our mainest character, anyway. I mean, Ben, I like Vistara. Han, Luke, and Leia. I get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lando, fuck him. <laughs> but he sided with the Sith. Okay, video evidence. <laughs> but Jaina, you know, she's a good one. Anyways, I guess the point is, this is beautiful. Okay, mm-hmm. and I want to know what alternate timeline I need to go live in to read the Jaina Solo trilogy that was supposed to come after these books that we're never going to get. Because, you know, why would you continue the existing product that you've paid billions of dollars for? Yeah. (laughs) When you could throw it all in the fucking garbage, rehash bits and pieces of it as you choose, and call it brand new. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's been a while since we've ripped on that. It has been, but you know what? They're killing it lately. I got, man, Mandalorian's sick. I don't care what anybody says. I got to get you like five minutes at a time after every podcast. You got to watch like five minutes at a time and the Mandalorian will build up to the finish. Dude, you would love it. Anyways, 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 chapter 24. Where we get another perfect summary. And let me tell you a secret. I do not want to root for this man at all, and I hope I don't have to. Ken Thamner is trying to get into the hangar bay where the stealth X's are, and he's being told off by a couple of Jedi knights. A couple of Jedi knights, yeah. That he can't remember the names of. No. And they're telling him, you were told to stay in your room. <laughs> The truth was that the other masters on the council had uh, requested him to remain in his quarters. And they had placed two guards, now unconscious, outside his door to enforce that request. Okay, listen. That's kind of badass. (laughs) You know, he's got this cool military side. But I don't want to be made to have to root for this guy at any point. Because he's been an idiot for six books. Yeah. Like... A tacticless, lost, floating, waiting for someone else to make decisions for him. Please, Buatu, save me. Please, Dala, protect us or, like, accept us. Yeah. Suck all of it. Yeah, he literally took an order from Buatu saying, don't do anything until I tell you to. And he didn't ask the council about it. I don't no. want to root for him at all. No. But that's kind of, that's kind of funny. <laughs> also funny that they told him to stay in his room. Yeah. And it's just a good, again, recap of what's happening in the Jedi Temple. A, a perfect summary, 
I couldn't have said it better myself. He was requested to stay in his quarters. Meanwhile, the Stealth X's are prepping to launch, and Kent, citing high treason, wants to stop them. Because, as is another theme of this series, loyalties divided will fail you. Mm -hmm. His loyalties are divided between the Galactic Alliance that he has sworn his human oath of Krevy to, right? (laughs) You know, he is a military man. He's a career military man. And that duty being torn between his Jedi duty, right? Just like... Han was saying, you got to push all in together. You know, he's got these divided loyalties, and maybe that's part of why we're not supposed to like him. I don't know. He doesn't pick a side. Yeah, no. He, he waits for the two sides to pick each other. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's Dala. It's not It's not going to happen. Yeah. Remember you said he doesn't know the names of these guards? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the kids is a Bothan, Tim. Tell me what his last name is. His last name is Buatu. Oh my god, that was shocking. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I did little... not consider that or see that coming. No, nope. I think maybe it has been mentioned in passing by a few wondering characters. One might have been Kent. One was definitely Dala. I at some point she wondered if he had a relative at the gen. Anyways, okay. One of these guards trying to keep Kent Hamner. Out of the launch pad, out of the, what is it called? Out of the... The hangar bay. The hangar bay. I was going to say ship room. (laughs) (laughs) His name is Yantahar Buatu. So, complex motivations for everyone. Andrew KOs him. And his little Arcona triangle-headed friend. Almost cuts a leg off of one of them. Close, but he deactivates the lightsaber. Just before. (laughs) He He has some cool moves. But I don't want to root for him. No. He sneaks into the hangar and he sees Raynar Thol. Launch prepping. And also a weird thing. He seems to listen to his shoulder before turning to spot Kent Hamner sneaking through the hangar bay. Mm -hmm. Into the shadows. His ear leans towards his shoulder and then he looks directly at where Kent Hamner is. Hey, Tim. What the hell do you think that's all about? I don't know. Maybe he just felt someone. He's like, huh? I got a different theory. Uh, is it a bug theory? I think Raynar Thol has a little bug friend. That'd be cool. Because hasn't he weirdly been talking to himself? Or like, was there was there a bit of that on the steps with uh, Wyn Dorvin having lunch one of those times where like some of the times it seemed like he wasn't talking to Wyn Dorvin? Or maybe after that, he copied his little friend with a pocket in his pocket. He's like, I'll get my own pet in a pocket. (laughs) I don't know. But I think he's got a little bug friend that he's communicating with in the force. And the bug sensed Kent Hamner through bug senses. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) But how weird and cool is that little uh, character tick? Yeah. Or whatever you want to call it. A little speciality, a little problem. (laughs) I don't know, man. I think he might have a little bug on his shoulder, and I think that's pretty cool. I like Raynard Thol more and more as we go. You know? Yeah, he doesn't get a lot, he doesn't get a lot of page time, but no, he does in different books though. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. He's he he seems to be the only one that notices. Yeah, and but he doesn't say anything, which either. again is weird. 
He's the only one that notices, which then tells me bug friend. Mm-hmm. But weirder, like you just said, he doesn't say anything. No, he just goes he back just to his ship. smiles at him, nods at him, and goes back to prepping his stealth axe <laughs> to go either help Luke or put down riots or whichever team he's on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Hamner sneaks deeper into the hangar. And as he goes, he finds the masters all up on a balcony. And he's like climbing pipes and on the underside and the backside against the wall. And he's hiding and sneaking, but not using the force. No, just using his military strength, badassness. Okay. His (laughs) rigid training and the structure that can't be taken away from. Listen, that's going on long enough. Point is. He's getting his time to be a badass here. Yes, he is. I don't want to root for him. (laughs) I don't want him to be a badass. Don't don't remind me that he's strong. He's an idiot. (laughs) His brain is weak. Don't tell me his body's strong because I don't care anymore. His brain's been too weak for six books. Anyways, he sneaks up on the masters on the balcony. And at first he considers murdering Saba in cold blood in front of all the other masters that are up there. Then decides... They might turn on me if I do that. And I need some information, so I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen. I'm going to eavesdrop. In his head, though, by the way, he's blaming Saba for this mutiny. Mm -hmm. He calls her, specifically, the traitor. Yeah, the leader of the mutiny. And, like, the rest of them love him fine. (laughs) Like, he's pinning all the guilt for his own failure onto one person, right? As... Like Dahl is doing to the Jedi? I guess. Except reverse. (laughs) She's taking all the guilt of one person and attaching it to one entire order of people. (laughs) Where Kent Hamner is like, you know, we've got hundreds, maybe thousands of Jedi. It's hard to know everybody's name. Yeah. Buatu's nephew. (laughs) (laughs) For Christ's sake. Man, these Bothans get around, don't they? Anyways, Hamner is eavesdropping on the Masters. And it turns out the Masters, Saba's Jedi, mm-hmm. have a whole plan. There's going to be uh, some kind of tournament on Booster Tarek's ship with Senator Treen. Who, is that ship, is she bad? Or she, is she good? Who was the senator? That was Treen. At the card party. That was Treen. Who was the senator that met with Han and Leia and them most recently? To be like, I'm going to do a bill in the thing. Oh, that was a different guy. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Senator Treen's a bad guy. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. Card thing. Yes. Oh, the connection is there. Thanks. Yep. My light bulb's on now. Anyways, they have a whole plan. A tournament of cards on Booster Tarek's ship with Senator Treen. When did Uh, they find out about Senator Treen, though? Who? The the Jedi. They don't don't know. Why do they know about this? And yeah, and why does it matter if Senator Treen's going to be there? Don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and you know what it's not explained in this chapter but I can tell you the things that are explained we'll yeah. bypass that alright here's the other parts of the plan part two <laughs> rescue the horn children part three help Luke with the Sith and Abeloth part four assist the slaves in revolting and becoming free finally what 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 do you want us to do? Sit here and do nothing while slavers <laughs> take slaves? Jesus God. Anyways, he had no business saying that. His home planet is slaves, and he never went back there to fix nothing. 
No. My God. Anyways. Part five. And Ken Thamner makes a mental note that he thinks it seems like Saba's specifically going to be taking over part five. Defend the Jedi Temple. Because mm. if we launch the stealth axes and we go, you know, incite the rebellions or inspire hope for the slaves yep. to free themselves, as they phrase it, right? It's on with the Galactic Alliance. This is high treason, mm-hmm. but it's for the right reason. Oh, God. I didn't mean to do that. Right. Just like it was in the last series when all of you didn't stop Jaina Solo from killing the president of the galaxy. Because that happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, guy, maybe he just can't handle this happening again. Or he just has so much respect for Dalla's military career. Or so much hope in Buatu's plan because he's a military guy. You know what I mean? He thinks he's got all these military minds connected and will come through. When does that ever work? Yes. It... When when has the military ever saved the galaxy and not the Jedi? <laughs> right? And he's thinking like a military guy and not like a Jedi. Mm-hmm. But he specifically notes... That Saba looks, you know, she's not wearing a flight suit. She looks like she's going to be staying here to dig in for the defense. And that's scary, right? Right. That's like the animalistic lizard in her den. Yep. It's going to, he, what does he say? It's going to be like a nasty, ferocious hit and run, keep them off balance, overpower tactics. Yeah. Until she can like render them harmless (laughs) permanently. Forever forever forever. harmless or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crazy lizard brain way of saying murder their asses. Render them forever harmless or permanently harmless. Yeah, whichever one that was. So they have all these plans, and that's treason, but at least they're being proactive finally, right? Yeah. As another, again, we've talked about so many times. They don't. They usually wait or let literal Mandalorians storm inside the temple and then don't retaliate. You fight them inside the temple and then you just let that go when they leave <laughs> stuff like that, I guess. Yeah. And, and then but they here, blockade your whole temple yeah, for weeks and kill one on steps. But here we have taking a proactive stance, <laughs> something that the Jedi were clearly, we're, we're clearly being told this throughout the, the series. This is what the Jedi need to shift to. And here it's happening. The mutiny to overthrow the passive Kenth Hamner is led by the most active Jedi Master. Yes. Insofar as, you know, uh, the willingness for violence. <laughs> right? Saba 17 is dangerous as shit, man. As Kent Hamner continues to eavesdrop on this Master's meeting that he was told to stay in his room for, he hears Jag's info, delivered from Silgal, about... Not joining the Galactic Alliance. The Pelion is breaking orbit. And Saba tells the Jedi and us, just like Jag told Jaina and Han and Leia and us, it's go time. This happens now. Yeah, 10 minutes, we're gone. We light the fuse on seven sticks of dynamite spread across the galaxy in 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was like so anxious and jacked up for that. 
realizing I'm running out of pages for this chapter. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Jesus She tells everybody, it's go time. Ken Thamner grabs his lightsaber and calls down to the Jedi. I'm sorry, but I can't let you do that. No one asked you, Kenny. <laughs> Specifically told you to go sit in your room while the grown-ups make decisions. And I just... He... He's... he. How does he get out of this alive, Tim? Let's assume... That the Jedi is not taking such a drastic change of perspective that they're going to murder Kenneth Hamner right now (laughs) for disagreeing with them. Let's assume that's not going to happen. How the hell does that not happen when you pull your lightsaber, not ignited, on Saba? Yeah. Well, what's helpful is that there's a lot of masters there, so combined they could just pin him down. But... Yeah, Sab will take her Barabelle teeth and rip his head off. And smash a chair with her tail <laughs> while she does it. Yeah. I don't know how he's gonna I don't there's I have so many questions. Ready? So many questions, just like the end of every episode. For example, will Abeloth undo Jason's work? Because if part of the redeeming factor for Jason Solo is that this was a sacrifice, mm-hmm. him falling to the dark side and, you know, breaking the Galactic Alliance and all the terrible things that he did, lighting Kashyyyk on fire, murdering his aunt, brainwashing his nephew, killing, I don't know, thousands. Yeah. If all of that sacrifice part of it gets taken away by rewriting the white throne back to black armor and gold. What happens? Yeah. Can, I, can Abeloth do that? Will Luke finally be killed by a girlfriend? <laughs> Will Ben finally get one? Will the masters kill the grandmaster? <laughs> Find out next week. When we cover fate of the Jedi book six, Vortex, chapters 25 through 28. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Wizard versus Lizard Wizard. Oh. I'm a skizzard. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.